Welcome to Northern Exposure, the podcast that we hope will help Canadian medical students explore their potential future careers as Canadian physicians. We're your hosts. I'm Ann Keller. And I'm Hannah Levy. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Yamashita. Dr. Yamashita is a cardiac surgeon and assistant professor at the University of Manitoba, the director of complex thoracic aortic surgery, the surgical co-director of heart failure ECMO program, and the director of the Manitoba Thoracic Aortic Diseases Clinic. He completed his MD at McGill University and his cardiac surgery residency at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Yamashita completed fellowships at UBC in transapical aortic valve replacement and VAD transplant, as well as at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago in advanced valve repair, minimally invasive valve surgery, atrial fibrillation surgery, and VAD transplant. Finally, before coming to Winnipeg, he completed a one-year fellowship in aortic and endovascular surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. His research interests include aortic disease, heart failure, and outcomes post-cardiac surgery. He has co-authored peer-reviewed papers in Circulation, the Journal of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery, and the Canadian Journal of Cardiology. He's also published five book chapters. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Yamashita. Thank you for having me. So just a quick roadmap of our conversation today. We've split our interview into three parts. So the first is a bit about you and your specialty. The second is the path that got you to this point in your career. And then finally, we'd like to dig into the nitty gritty details of what your day-to-day as a cardiac surgeon looks like. Okay, sounds great. All right. So one of the reasons that we wanted to start this podcast was to get a feel for what specialties are really like. So to that end, can you give us an elevator pitch for your job as a cardiac surgeon, or in other words, a short sales pitch for your specialty? So cardiac surgeons obviously perform open heart operations. We are deeply involved in performing very precise surgical uh, operations in order to improve blood flow to a patient's heart, in order to replace heart valves in patients. We perform transplants, although I don't do that specifically. And we also support patients both hemodynamically and from a respiratory point of view with mechanical circulatory support devices that we have. So I would say that cardiac surgeons do all of the surgical interventions that improve cardiac function and essentially improve blood flow to the heart and improve the heart valves. So I I love the challenge of doing heart surgery. Um, It's a very challenging specialty, despite the fact that on the surface, we don't do a lot of different types of operations. I think each operation that we do is very different and very uh, specific to the patient. So I think that that in itself, uh, the challenge of, of doing these open heart operations, I think is what drives me to be a cardiac surgeon. So it sounds like you like challenges. How else do you think your personality complements your job? Well, so I think I've always had a dedication to everything that I do and put in a lot of hard work to my career. And uh, I think as a cardiac surgeon, you need that. You need to be dedicated to your work. You need to be dedicated to putting in the long hours and dedicated to taking care of your patients. If you're willing to put in the time and the effort, then cardiac surgery could be a good field for a potential student. That's an excellent answer and brings me nicely to my next question. 
What we like to do for these interviews is dig into a bit of the literature and see what it says about the stereotypes that exist about the field and then ask the expert to comment on those stereotypes. So we found a survey of UK medical students from 2018 that examined factors attracting or deterring medical students from pursuing cardiothoracic surgery. While factors like the ability to save or significantly influence people's lives was a big attractor, factors cited as deterrence included competition for jobs and training positions, geographical limitations of centers with training programs, and the perception of cardiothoracic surgeons as arrogant. Recognizing that this is a survey of UK medical students, which may not generalize to Canada, what are your thoughts on these perceptions? So I would mostly agree with most of those comments, except for the last one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we're all arrogant, and I don't think that's a, a characteristic that a lot of cardiac surgeons have. I think certainly we are confident in our skills because I think you need to be, if you're going to be a cardiac surgeon, you have to be confident in what you're doing and and your skill set and those sorts of things. And, you know, you have to be a leader in the operating room because you have to lead the team through the operation. So I think those things can be misinterpreted as arrogant at times, but I think the proper term is probably that we have a lot of confidence in what we do. In terms of your other comments, certainly there are times when, you know, we do an operation and we truly do save a patient's life and and that certainly does happen. And uh, we do, those things do occur. It's not an everyday thing, but, you know, we are fortunate enough to be in a field where we are called at times to help a patient when they are about to die and sometimes we can help them get through that period. The specialty um, in Canada can be challenging uh, in that there are limited locations in terms of where you can work and train. So, you know, not every hospital in the country has cardiac surgery, right? So there's only about 30 or so heart centers that do cardiac surgery in the country. So If you want to be a cardiac surgeon, you have to work at one of those centers, obviously. And as a result of that, there aren't that many positions. There are, I think, somewhere between 150 to 175 cardiac surgeons in Canada. So the positions are not extremely plentiful, but I think if you're well-trained and you have a good skill set and you bring a skill set that a center desires, then you know, you should be able to find a job. Do you think that there are other stereotypes that medical students may have about cardiac surgery? And if so, what are your thoughts on those? Well, I think some of the stereotypes do maybe revolve around being arrogant. But again, I think that some of that can be misinterpreted. It's more confidence, I would say, in our skill set and trying to be a, a leader in the operating room. In the operating room, it's a it's a big room, as you know, and there's lots of people and there can be background noise. And if you're trying to speak in the operating room, you, you have to have a strong voice, you have to be assertive, and that, you know, may be misinterpreted sometimes. So that may be a stereotype. And perhaps another one is that we work a lot, which is not really untrue. I mean, that's 
definitely true. Um, we are dedicated to our jobs and we're dedicated to our patients. And that unfortunately requires a lot of time from us and some sacrifices in our personal lives sometimes. Thank you so much for sharing those. I am going to move us along to the next portion of our interview where we ask you to tell us the story of how you got to where you are in your career. So I did a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry at McGill. I was very interested in science, but I always wanted to work with people and I was interested in medicine, of course. So when I finished my undergrad degree, I uh, applied to several different fields. I applied to graduate school in chemistry, I applied to law school, I applied to uh, medical school. I was fortunate to be able to choose what field I wanted to go in eventually, uh, and I decided that medicine was the right choice for me. So once I was in medicine, it was just trying to navigate and figure out what appealed to me. So what type of medicine appealed to me? So, you know, as medical students, you would know that, you know, some people are uh, more internal medicine people. Some people are more family medicine people. Some people are more surgical people. And then there are, you know, the various other specialties that people are more drawn to. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's partly personality. It's also interest in what you want to do. And um, also, I guess, the talents that you naturally have. So I always knew that um, I wanted to go into surgery. Uh, I liked working with my hands. I liked working with people. So I knew a surgical specialty was right for me. It was just trying to figure out what surgical specialty. And in terms of figuring out cardiac surgery, it was cardiac physiology was fascinating to me and I quite enjoyed it and uh, I really liked it. And then, you know, I mean, as soon as I was in the operating room, uh, seeing open heart surgery for the first couple of times, that was uh, pretty much new. That was what I wanted to do. So I'm curious, you applied to law school, grad school in chemistry and medicine. Can we ask why medicine over those programs? And it's just such a broad interest, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I always wanted to work with people, right? So chemistry was fine. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed doing my undergrad. I did research in chemistry and I was, uh, I enjoyed doing it. But, you know, at least in the university level or when you're studying it, there's very little interaction with people other than your classmates and your lab members. Um, so it didn't provide me at least with the interaction with other people that I wanted. So medicine was really an outlet for me to be able to apply my science or my science background and help people or to work with people. So that, that's kind of how I chose medicine. You know, the law school thing was basically I was interested in intellectual properties and, and that sort of stuff. So also science related. But again, I, I felt like medicine would provide the best outlet to use my science and help people or work with people at the same time. Now, I read your bio just a few minutes ago, and it was not lost on me that there were a few fellowships. What is it that drove you to do all of those? Was it out of interest? Was it out of a feeling of necessity and to get a job? Tell us about your thought process on that. So to do at least one fellowship is, I think everyone would say, is a necessity. It's not realistic to think that um, you will be able to finish a cardiac surgery residency 
and then have enough training or experience to be able to uh, work independently and uh, be attractive to a center that wants to hire you. So doing at least one fellowship and oftentimes two fellowships, I would say is a necessity if you're considering cardiac surgery. I did those fellowships. Uh, obviously, when you choose a fellowship, you want to choose an area that you're interested in. So all of those areas are of uh, very big interest to me. So for instance, I, uh, right now, um, the majority of my practice or a large part of my practice is aortic surgery. So as a result, I, you know, I went to Cleveland Clinic, one of the big heart centers in the U.S., to learn all of the AERIC skills that I use today in my practice. As well, my uh, other fellowships involved a lot of heart failure surgery, so a lot of VAD and transplant surgery. I don't do transplants right now, but I do VAD implants, ventricular assist device implants, and I, and I do a lot of heart failure surgery, and I'm the director of the ECMO program here. So those fellowships are all interest as well as carving out a, a path for me or a career uh, for me that I wanted to pursue. Thank you for that. Is there anything else you wish you had known prior to making the decision to pursue cardiac surgery or any advice you have for students who are currently making the decision of which specialty to pursue? Well, I think I always knew what I was getting into. I did a lot of background work, so a lot of shadowing, a lot of time in the operating room, you know, electives on cardiac surgery and other surgical specialties. So I always knew what the field entailed. Back then, of course, I uh, didn't have a family. You know, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And that has changed, obviously. So I guess it would have been uh, nice, at least for me, <laughs> to realize that, you know, over time, priorities do change a little bit. So I love what I do, but I also, you know, love spending time with my family. And sometimes, sometimes I do wish that the specialty wasn't as onerous as it is. I guess that would be the one thing that I would say. It's very refreshing to hear you say that. I don't for a second think that you would trade anything, but it's nice to hear about how those priorities do change over time as life changes and life stage changes. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone goes through different stages in life. And when you're young and a student and you don't have a wife and kids, then, you know, you're only looking out for yourself, really, if, if you're living alone, of course. So you can do pretty much whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it and there's no other responsibilities that you need to think about. But as life goes on, things change and different priorities come into your life and that you have to obviously be concerned about. But the specialty and the demands don't change, unfortunately. So I guess something that is uh, difficult to predict, and I guess someone like myself who's gone through it can probably shed a little more light on that. We've heard when we've interviewed some specialists in other fields that as you get a bit more senior, there's an opportunity to navigate the scheduling a little bit easier or perhaps the hours a little bit easier. Do you find that's true in cardiac surgery? So you can modify your work life a little differently. So there are surgeons who mostly do clinical, meaning they mostly operate. So if you mostly operate, 
and that's the main focus of what you do, then that's gonna be the most time consuming, I would say, because you're in the operating room the most and uh, you're taking care of patients the most, you're doing the most call, et cetera. Within the specialty though, there are opportunities to do uh, other things such as doing research. So there are a lot of cardiac surgeons who do, you know, 75% clinical, 50% clinical, uh, and then the rest they dedicate to academic work like research or teaching or uh, other things like that. So if you, if you choose a different path, if your academic portion is a bit less onerous in terms of the time that you need to dedicate to it, then it may be a little bit easier. And then at different centers, it's also possible that as you get a little bit older, that you can say that you don't want to be a full-time surgeon. You want to be a, um, a 0.75 full-time surgeon or something like that. And that, that's possible as well. So there are multiple different possibilities. But I would say that if your desire is to be a full-time cardiac surgeon and dedicate yourself to purely being an operating surgeon, then your time is going to be mostly dedicated to surgery. And I don't think there's much leeway in terms of how to get more personal time doing other things. The specialty is such that it's very highly technical. So if you're doing complex operations, then you want to be doing them a lot, which means, you know, you just have to dedicate yourself to doing a lot of surgery uh, and dedicating more time to it. And, you know, the more time you do, you dedicate to it, the more time you do it, the better you get, the better outcomes you get. So uh, that's also something to be aware of. Well, now I get to move us along to the third portion and dig in even deeper to what your day-to-day looks like. So although I'm sure there is no such thing as typical in any field of medicine, if we were to follow you around starting Monday morning for a week, what would we see? Sure. So most days I get to work about 7.15 or so, uh, except sometimes I have meetings at 7. So on, on those days, obviously, I'm here a little bit earlier than that. I would say that on a non-operative day, I would probably leave around 5.36. And then if I'm and on an operative day, if I'm doing two cases, it can be as late as 8, 9, 10. I'm in the operating room three to four days a week. So I, I would say on average about three days a week. And then one day I do call. And when we're on call, we're not in the operating room. So we're on call that full day from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. the next day. So I do three days in the OR, one day of call, and then one day or half day to one day of clinic, uh, and then plus some admin, administrative work and some of the research that I do as well. So that's kind of my day. So probably on average 11 to 12 hours a day, I would say, and then we do call. And calls about once a week plus uh, weekends. So there are five of us in a group now, so we take one in five call. Let's talk about your OR days first. Can you chat with us a bit about what your bread and butter procedures are? Yeah, so um, the most common operation we do is coronary bypass grafting or cabbage surgery, basically making 
new pathways for blood to flow to the different coronary arteries. The next most common procedure we do is probably an aortic valve replacement. So uh, when patients develop uh, either aortic stenosis or aortic regurgitation, although most most commonly aortic stenosis, then uh, they need an aortic valve replacement. So those are probably the two most common operations that we do. And then we each have our areas of specialty. So for instance, I do a lot of aortic surgeries I talked about before. So a lot of the aneurysm surgery that comes into our center gets referred to me. So I do both uh, open and uh, endovascular surgery for uh, aortic aneurysms uh, and aortic dissections. And then I also do some heart failure surgery, which involves placing patients on mechanical circulatory support like ECMO or putting in a, a heart pumps uh, like uh, left ventricular assist devices. And what's your favorite procedure to do? What's my favorite? So I, I mean, I'm an aortic surgeon, so I love doing aortic surgery. So any sort of aortic surgery really fascinates me and I, uh, I like doing that type of stuff. Can I ask why it's so interesting to you? So aortic surgery is challenging in itself. So it's not just a standard open heart operation. You often have to actually stop the circulation in a patient. So there's a lot of thinking and planning in terms of how you're going to do an operation safely and how you're going to protect the heart, how you're going to protect the patient's brain, how you're going to protect the patient's body so that they're going to survive the operation that you do and so that you can get a field or a surgical field that is bloodless and that you can do what you need to do in a reasonable amount of time. So I think it's the thinking and planning and the different types of approaches that are available that uh, really fascinates me in terms of uh, doing aortic surgery. Let's talk about what a typical, I'm assuming clinic is the appropriate term here, but a typical clinic day looks like. So a typical clinic day, I see, it really depends. Uh, I see all of the uh, complex aortic patients in, in Manitoba. So those can be a little more time consuming, but in a half day clinic, I would see anywhere from six to 10 patients or, or somewhere in that range, and then talk to them about surgery. Um, I talk to them about their options and do all the regular stuff like a history physical and, and all that stuff. So that, that's clinic. Sometimes I do a full day of clinic because I do other things like TAVI, which is transcatheteric valve replacement, and we have a, de a dedicated clinic for that as well. So I'll do you know my regular cardiac surgery clinic in the morning, and then I might do a TAVI clinic in the afternoon. TAVI clinic, we do four, maybe four patients in a half day. These patients are a bit more complex. They're generally a bit elderly and frail, so it just takes a little bit of time to, to uh, assess them and go through everything you need to go through for them. In terms of call, is it home call? Is it in the hospital? And if it's home, then how often do you have to come in? Yeah, so we uh, do home call as a staff surgeon. Generally, if you uh, get called, then it's generally you get called to do an operation most times at night anyways. During the day, you obviously get a lot of consults that you need to go see, which, which we do, of course. But uh, generally at night, if you get called, you generally have to come in and do an operation. So 
I would say that happens a couple times a month, maybe on average twice a month, probably. So not a super busy call, but a busy call when you get called. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing an emergency operation, that can be as short as four hours to as long as 12 hours, really. So it's, it's, it can be quite uh, intensive. So all of this begs the question, you mentioned that you do research, but your day sounds incredibly intense to begin with. When do you fit research in? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when do I fit in research? Uh, so to be honest, I fit in research when I go home and my son goes to sleep. That's kind of where I, when I fit in a lot of my research. And on weekends is another good time when I fit in research. Uh, unfortunately, um, our division is a bit short-staffed right now, so we're doing a lot of clinical work. Uh, we have a very heavy clinical load, and although I am one of the surgeons who, who does a lot of academic work, there's just a lot of clinical work that I need to do, so I can't dedicate part of my time, or at least part of my time here in the hospital, to doing academic work. So yeah, you know, a lot of the research that I end up doing ends up uh, being after hours or on weekends. What is an aspect of your job that makes you excited to go to work most days? Well, I think it's, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a very um, time-consuming and onerous specialty, but, but I mean, the benefits are tremendous. I have the opportunity to, you know, impact a patient's life really on a daily basis. Whenever I'm going to the operating room, these operations are often life-changing. They often mean that patients can go home and not have chest pain, not worry about having a future heart attack, not worry about having an aortic catastrophe like an aortic dissection in the future because I've fixed their problem or I've fix their shortness of breath so now they can walk around the house and walk around the mall whereas they couldn't take three steps before. So I, I think the, the opportunity to really have a significant impact on people's lives is, uh, is what uh, drives me. What is the most interesting or intricate surgery that you've ever been involved with? The biggest operations that I do are thoracoabdominal aortic aneurysm surgery. So that's basically replacing the thoracic and abdominal portion of the aorta. So that involves making a very large incision basically from the upper part of the left back and then coming around all the way down to the umbilicus and passed into the symphysis pubis. So very large incision and, you know, replacing the aorta from the left subclavian artery all the way down to the aortic bifurcation where the iliacs come off. And then reimplanting all of the celiac and superior mesenteric artery and left and right renal arteries. So, I mean, that's probably the, one of the biggest operations that most surgeons would ever do. And that's the biggest operation that I do. So those are... Those are quite, <laughs> quite interesting and um, can be exhilarating operations once they're done. I can see why you talk about this field as challenging. Was there a moment, I know when we were chatting earlier about when you identified that cardiac surgery was of interest to you, 
but since you've been in the career, has there ever been a moment where you thought, aha, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Or has it been a general sense of satisfaction over time? I think it was probably towards, I guess, towards the end of my training, where I really started, you know, doing a lot of cases, obviously with the the help of the attending surgeon. But uh, when I started doing a lot of cases on my uh, on my own with the attending surgeon helping me, where I, I really thought that this was really I was in the right field because I was actually doing open heart surgery, doing full operations, and you know, making a difference in people's lives, and that was probably the the point where I, I realized that, yeah, I've made the right choice. Our last question, thanks for bearing with us on all of our questions and desire to learn about cardiac surgery. So just any final words of wisdom or advice for students who are considering a career like yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that pandemic has impaired the ability to do electives or rotations in certain specialties. But if you want to do cardiac surgery, I would strongly encourage you to do a rotation in it, get to know what our field is about by doing it, spending some time in it, and you know, talking to the attendings, talking to people like me about it and what their experience has been like. I think that there's unfortunately nothing that can compare to firsthand experience. Personally experiencing it yourself is putting your yourself in their shoes and, and seeing what that specialty is like. So, and if you like cardiac surgery uh, and, and you really love doing it, then I would say go for it. It's a uh, fantastic specialty, extremely, extremely rewarding. And it's fascinating. I mean, the field is changing on a monthly basis, I would say. I mean, the cardiac surgery is different from when I was a medical student, which is not that long ago, but it's, you know, different from when I was a medical student. And um, it changes. New innovations come, which really change the field. For instance, TAVI. Let's, ju let's just talk for two minutes about TAVI. So TAVI is trans catheter aortic valve replacement, right? So uh, traditionally, we've always done open heart surgery for uh, an aortic valve replacement, which means in a lot of cases, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this way, but in a lot of cases, we do a full sternotomy, meaning a full incision, you know, from the top of the chest to the bottom of the chest. Uh, you can also do it minimally invasively, which a lot of surgeons do as well. But nonetheless, you have to do um, some sort of sternal incision or some sort of chest incision. Uh, you have to put the patient on a heart-lung machine. You have to stop their heart. You have to open the aorta. You have to cut out the valve, and then you have to sew on a new valve. Okay? So that's a pretty invasive operation. TAVI, uh, or transcatheter aortic valve implantation, is a now new procedure which started which was originally developed in the mid-2000s. It's a milli-invasive procedure where we put wires and catheters in through the groin, and we're able to deploy a valve through the groin up into the aorta and replace the aortic valve that way. So without doing a big sternal incision or even a small milli-invasive incision, without putting a patient on the heart-lung machine, without stopping their heart, etc., we're able to replace a patient's aortic valve through a small growing incision about a couple centimeters big and change their life in terms of being able to walk and not have shortness of breath or walk and not have chest pain or, you know, stand and not have a syncopal episode. It's really been a game changer. 
We were chatting with an ophthalmologist who commented that he could sell any medical student on optho by showing all of the toys. And all I can think is that it seems like cardiac surgery could probably make the same claim with how incredibly advanced those procedures are and really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you love operations, if you love surgery, then cardiac surgery is, is a great specialty. It's just a, it's a fantastic specialty. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and for chatting with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Northern Exposure. To suggest a guest, send us feedback, or learn more, check out our website, northernexposurepodcast.ca. We are both students at McMaster's Michael G. DeGroote School of Medicine, but this podcast is in no way affiliated with the school or program and all views expressed are ours alone. Views expressed by guests on our show are personal opinions and should not be considered representative of any hospital, university, or other organization with which they may be affiliated. Music composed by David Rubel and performed by the David Rubel Quintet.